Welcome to Conversations with Buddy, coming to you live from the Rec Podcast Recording Studio here in Kaiser, Oregon. We drop a podcast every Friday morning with a story that will impact someone, and we hope that someone is you. Please take a moment to like, comment, and also share on your favorite social media platform. We want to get these messages out to the people and impact the world one testimony at a time. Today, I have a new guest, and he's also a good friend. His name is Rick Saffils. Welcome, Rick. Hey, thanks for having me on your show. Dude, thanks for being a part of our show. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, I got lots of great questions for you today, and uh, I hope you'll be transparent, share the share with the world yeah. who Rick is. Yeah, definitely. So let me just do a quick introduction just to tell a few things about you, and then uh, we'll dive in. How's that? Okay, sounds good. Okay. Well, Rick is a husband to Kaylee. He's a father of four kids. Uh, give me the names and ages real quick. Yeah, we've got Hadley at seven and a half, Lucy at five and a half, don't want to miss at half. We've got Oakley at three, and Bodie, who is almost four months. Wow. I love your kids, dude. They have oh. so much energy. Yeah. It's well, they love uh, saying your name. And Lucy right now is my favorite. She She's like, Buddy Pocket. It used to be um, Buddy, uh, Putty, Putty Bucket. It was <laughs> so, something like that. It was great. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Hey, I don't take any offense to that. I've been, yeah. called, I've been called worse. So. <laughs> uh, you have two brothers mm-hmm. and one of them you're a twin to. Yep. Identical twin. Identical twin. That's awesome. You're a fifth grade teacher here at Salem Kaiser Candelaria? Yeah, Candelaria Elementary School. Okay. I added guitar teacher. Oh, yeah. So Rick has taught me guitar before. He's really good. And uh, you're a business owner of Southfield Social Media. Uh-huh. You're a business coach and entrepreneur. Yeah. I've had the privilege of having you as my coach. Good job. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> a former professional disc golfer. Yeah. We're going to dive deep in that one. Oh, man. <laughs> and Rick lives life to the fullest. He's He's got a lot of energy. So... Rick and I have done, uh, we've gone fishing together. Yeah. yeah. We've actually golfed, even though you're not really a, a, a golfer, you're a disc golfer. Yeah. But we've golfed together, so yeah. that was fun. But uh, well, let's dive in real quick and, and learn about Rick. Yeah, sounds good. Like I always say, uh, I'm going to learn something about you that I probably don't know. I think I know you pretty well. Yeah. But I'm going to learn some things about you today that I didn't know. Yeah. So t- uh, tell us where you were born at. And what grade school, middle school, and high school you went to? Yeah, I was born here in Salem, Oregon. I was born to two parents who became Christians, and my dad later in life, um, and he actually brought his parents to Christ, which was pretty neat. He was stationed in Crete, Greece, as a meteorologist on a Navy fleet, and so um, he had he had loved um, being able to try to explore and different things like that. So he um, did that, but. He came back and got stationed in Monterey Bay, California. And then that's where he met my mom um, in their late 20s, almost 30s. And yeah, then they moved up here to Oregon. So my older brother was born in Salem Hospital. And and then we had, uh, it was me and my twin brother. And I mean, the story goes, it's, it's, you know, I was on my way out and found the secret light at the end of the tunnel and my twin brother's like, peace out. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? And it was, you know, C-section. So he came out first and stole my birthright, but whatever. Got it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I, <laughs> but I mean, it was Tim anyway. So it was Tim anyway. People always were like, you know, who's older? And we're like, Tim. 
Damn. <laughs> like, Let's Rob and I did not even, <laughs> we didn't even compete on that. Like, we didn't even care. Like, people, in, I remember in the store, somebody would just be like, who's older? And they'd be just looking at me and Rob, and we're like, uh, Tim's oh, older. This guy yeah. over here, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so he got the birthright. Yeah, we stole it later on, macaroni and cheese, you know. There you go. Whatever. There you go. That's funny. <laughs> so you were on your way out, but then C-section happened, and Rob was born. That was, yeah, that's yeah. so he came out first, and then I was about a minute and a half later. It was real quick. That's funny. Yeah. And we were full term. Uh, we were born on our due date. So my mom was bedridden for like three months before. I was eight pounds coming out and he was seven something. So we were That's like huge. 15, That's a lot. Of That's a kid, lot, of baby. Man. Yeah. So yeah. my mom was amazing. Uh, trooper at that. Always wants us to, you know, celebrate birthdays because she loves being able to remember just that time period in her life. And yeah, it was really cool. Huh. Yeah, my next question was tell me more about your parents, but we oh, covered yeah. that a little bit. How long yeah. have your mom and dad been married? Um, let's see. So, nineteen. Oh, that's that's not a good question. I'm not good at that. Okay, uh, <laughs> forty forty ish years. Uh, yeah, yeah. So forty three years, I think. Okay. Um, is where yeah. they're at. So, um, but yeah, pretty awesome. They've been married their whole um, you know marriage life has been uh, neat to watch that from the back seat and. Um, you know, my dad was in Salem Kaiser School District, and so he was teacher to admin and all the way through. And my mom was a teacher um, starting when we were in second grade. And so hmm. um, they both loved teaching and education, and we lived it. I mean, we were there from seven up till seven down. And um, my mom even had a cot in the back of her classroom for us if we got sick because we never stayed at home. And so it was just something that um, we lived at school. We breathed school. At second grade, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. Like, that's what I knew I was going to do. Isn't that and, crazy? Yeah. Second grade, like, I know, yeah. and you are. Yeah, yeah. I became a teacher. Um, been doing it for 10 years now, so, yeah. yeah. How long have you and Kaylee been married? So, we just celebrated our 10th anniversary. What? 10? Yeah. So, we got married Here's in 2012, already. and we uh, we got married over pretty close to the cafe that you had breakfast at. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got married over at the Turner Tabernacle, and... It was an awesome wedding, super warm that night. Uh, it was like 7 p.m. and it was still 99 degrees almost. So I I loved it, super fun. Uh, but our kids, we go there every anniversary and we have a picnic there on the yard. And seeing your pictures, man, yeah, yeah. so fun. So what know. a great uh, thing to celebrate is your 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 marriage with your kids. I mean, they're yeah. a part of that whole story. Yeah. What do you love most about being married to Kaylee? She is... Shout out to you, Kaylee. Yeah, she is amazing. Um, you know, when we first got married, I was about three years and nine months older. Um, and so I was just like starting out at Canyon View and becoming a director. And we, I, I brought her to my interview as my fiance. <laughs> and so like we started out real young. She was 20 years old. I was 23, just turning 24 that June. And and so we started out our marriage just, it was it was tough. Like we were learning the ropes. I was making close to $6 an hour at the time. <laughs> and she was working in Salem and I was living in Silverton and we were trying to do everything we could to make things work. And um, we moved into Silverton and uh, lived there for two months. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then we moved here to Salem and lived in an apartment for seven and a half years. And so we started out just real you know, anything that we did, we tried to do it together. But those first couple of years with me teaching and um, running the camp at the same time as a director, um, it was just busy. And I didn't get to see her a lot. So um, now I'm just, I'm trying to do a lot more with 
Um, how can I spend my time loving my wife and, and spending time with her and our kids? And so, um, yeah, I just think that the best thing about marriage right now for us is like getting just to talk and, and sit on the couch at the end of a day and, and get to talk about life and not just mm-hmm. talk about the kids and not just talk about, um, you know, work and just kind of set the phones in their slot and put them away. And yeah, when we get to do that, it's just a, a sweet time. But yeah, we like to be able to go on dates and go adventure new little spots. Um, she was very much routine, same restaurant, same place every time, same food. Uh, you know, she has some of these awesome tendencies where she brushes her cheese the same way. And so I'm like always making fun of that a little bit, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, she, well, if she were here, she would make fun of yeah, you. I'm pretty I sure. I know, totally. Um, there's just, you know, that opportunity that I've learned who she is and she's learned who I am. And so just growing in a deeper relationship each year and at year 10, we're the strongest that we've been in our marriage. And so just getting to that place where we can continue to grow together. That's good that you guys, um, you've been married for 10 years, but you guys continually challenge each other Mm -hmm. to get outside your comfort zone. Instead of going to the same restaurant and doing the same thing, you know, change it up a little bit. And you're probably good for her in that way. How how is she good to you? How does she disrupt your thinking a little bit? I am a free wind gypsy, which is, (laughs) as I describe it, just whatever needs to be done, whatever's going to happen, I'm out there, I'm going to do it. Um, Growing up, it was not that way. I was quiet. I didn't talk. I was like not even raising my hand in class. I'd never told a girl I liked her up until my college years. Like I had one girlfriend before Kaylee for like two months and then I married Kaylee. So it's just like, I was quiet. I was like raised in a, you know, a home with three boys, but we like never really fist fought or anything like that. So we were just like, we were more on that gentle side. Like, yeah, we got upset, you know, we get frustrated and stuff like that, but we, we really tried to be in that way. So for my wife, she's brought me back to be that centered, calm, gentle, because it's in me to just be out there and be loud and be on the stage and, and do that. And, and to rein it back and not do a backflip off of anything that I see. And, you know, <laughs> so that's kind of the thing that I'm learning right now. And my wife really helps me to center on, hey, you don't have to go do eight activities every weekend. You know, like <laughs> I have dadder day, which I get my kids out of bed and uh, we start with whatever it is for breakfast, whether it's donuts or we go out somewhere for Saturday market. And in the wintertime, it's like, hey, let's go find a bazaar or whatever it is. Or even it's a park. Like if it's cold, it doesn't matter. If it's snowing, we're on a sled, you know, it's, that's just something that we've done. So I've kind of ruined my kids. They just, <laughs> they think that, hey, what's the next adventure? What are we doing next? And my wife's like, we already did two adventures or we already did one adventure. Like that's, that's good for the week. <laughs> so, you call those dadder day? Yeah. So on Saturdays, it's Rick and yeah. the kids and you guys just yeah. get up early and go. I've yeah. seen all your pictures and Facebook. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I'm exhausted watching you, man, if I'm being honest. That's like, funny. You go. Yeah. Uh, but I love that about you. That's yeah. what I love most about you. You bring out the energy, even for a guy like me who's older than you. Yeah. Uh, you have you have energy, my friend. Mm, thanks. Yeah. And I your just, kids have that energy. They do. My kids are crazy. I mean, people say it all the time, but I look at them, I go, you're not crazy. You are just full of life. And that's what we talk about. You know, just today we're it. dancing and we were listening to some new music and I was dancing crazy. My kids are just laughing and then they just get up and they dance. And so the more that I can just inspire them to be um, really comfortable in their own skin, I mean, it doesn't matter if they look a certain way or smell a certain way, like they're out there doing it. And so they're not embarrassed to be the first one to try something new. And Mm. um, they're not, you know, looking at 
other people going like, hey, should we do this? They're like, <laughs> yeah. they're like raising their hand or going, hey, we want to do this. So um, that's something that I, I really wanted to instill in them. Just don't worry if people think that you're loud or crazy or whatever. And I've had people, even at church, they'll look at me and they'll just smile and go, your kids are crazy. And I go, no, you know, they're just, they're just loving life. So, yeah. That's crazy. That's funny. Yeah. Good, good for them. They're, they're very authentic kids. Yeah. And I would say I would raise my girls the same way. Just be you. Yeah. Be all you. And they're completely them. Yeah. yeah. So that gives me the greatest joy seeing our kids. It's like you see your kids living out who they really are, how God wired them. So yeah. that's awesome. What would you say your favorite hobby is, Rick? Obviously your wife, your kids, mm. but setting them aside. Just Rick, what's your favorite hobby? Yeah, I've had a lot over the years, so I've kind of managed it down to about two or three. But uh, right now, I'm I'm loving just being able to go out and fish um, any time of the year, except for mostly in the winter time for bass. But I'll go out for trout, or um, I've been out for steelhead, or different things like that. But yeah, just being out in fishing and on the river, in a lake, in a pond doesn't matter. Uh, I just I grew up not really doing it. We caught a frog off a log one time and it kind of traumatized us because <laughs> hooked it in the eye. Um, oh, whoops. Yeah. So after that, we just never did it really um, growing up. And so I just started like five years ago and my older brother, Tim, introduced me to it. And okay. So I it's just, Tim. Yeah. And he's like, hey, we're doing 4th of July. So for three years in a row, we had just invited tons of people 4th of July weekend and we would just go out in the Willamette and we just teach new people and bring them in and... Um, for him, it was like something that was a, a pastoral passage, you know, rite of passage to be able to be a fisherman and he didn't fish. And so when he got on that first boat and he was catching fish and stuff like that, it took a while. Same thing for me. Like I just, I didn't, I didn't like sitting and I didn't like being in the quiet. Like even disc golf was a quiet sport, but I was out there running through it and sprinting or like playing a lot. And, and so that was my only hobby really for a long time. Couple of years, I don't know how many years, about six years, seven years. Um, but I just couldn't like sit there and try to catch something. So we got in float tubes, or we were in a boat or a kayak or something, and it was more fun even just to move around like that. But yeah, so that's kind of my favorite hobby right now that I like doing. Cool. Since you mentioned disc golf, yeah. um, when did you start disc golf? When did you become a professional? Yeah. And how long did you do it for? So fifth grade is the first time that my parents and I like remember playing. We went on our fifth grade birthday to Western Baptist at the time, and they had this little course. And so I remember getting a hole-in-one from some distance on the last hole. I don't remember how long it was, but we were using ultimate Frisbees, and I just remember throwing it from like, I don't know, like 200 feet away and making it and just being like, wow, that was cool. And we cheered, and it was done. And then uh, and I, I don't even know like any other time that I'd ever played up until I was in college. And I went to Corbin University, so Western turned into Corbin, and I uh, had one disc that I found on campus and I just wanted to play. So grabbed a disc and went out and threw it and I wasn't very good. And so then I just played in between every single class that I had and I would just put it in my backpack and I'd pull it out and I'd throw it and I'd run and I'd throw it and go. And then my, uh, uh, I had a roommate and some friends and we just walked all the way to Cascade Gateway, which was like, I don't know, two miles away. And we just walked all the way there and we just played there for the first time back in 2006. And then I was like, okay, this is pretty fun. Um, it's, it's cool to get out and do that. So from 2006 until 2011, 
it was still pretty recreational and just going out and playing for fun. So about four or five years, I played in a couple of like team events at Corbin and there'd be little tournaments that they do for intramurals. But yeah, 2011 came, I became the director at Canyon View, wasn't playing at all. And then 2012 hit and almost every day on my way home from work, I would stop somewhere and play. And so there was Woodman Sea or Cascade, which are two parks here in Salem. And so I just played a little bit here and there and I would just kind of learn how to do it. And But I wasn't getting much better because I was only throwing a certain way. It was just called a tomahawk, and I just kept on throwing it overhead and kind of throwing it like a baseball player. And so I learned the techniques of backhand and forehand, like tennis, um, and I just kind of learned the back um, the backhand throw and started doing that. And some guy saw me one time. He's like, hey, I need you to have you come meet our local pro, you know, our president of our club. So I played with him, and we tied. And he'd been playing for years, and he mm. was like the local pro. And I was like, whoa, that's fun. And the guy's like, nah, whatever. It was just luck, whatever. So I was like, okay, well, um, I like this. Like, this is pretty cool. So the first event, I ran it for Canyon View, and there was a huge group of people that came to be able to support and want to play in this event. And we had random baskets that people brought in and played 18 holes, and it was on December, like, 18th, so right before Christmas. And it was huge. It was super fun. And I was like, this is awesome. And from then on, I just started running tons of tons of events. I was running between 11 and 16 every year for the next five years. And then I was playing in uh, the same amount, 10, 15, 20 events each year um, from that point, running lessons. I helped coach teams. I was doing clinics. I was doing uh, course design for the city. I was helping design baskets for ODE, um, the Oregon um, Correctional Facility, OCE. So, um, yeah, just I got super involved. I got really plugged in. I started running my own leagues, my own tournaments, my own events, whatever it was, traveling, playing professionally, and getting sponsored. So, yeah, it was just kind of a, a unique opportunity and just really dove into it. But, yeah, it took up all of my time, all of my thought processes, everything. So. Yeah, sounds like you loved it. I know that you were newly married. Yeah. And that became one of your uh, – I know we've talked about this, uh, but it's became it became – one of your focal points. Yeah. Where's the farthest you traveled and then what made you stop? Yeah. So I was invited to different things and I always had to turn them down because I had always said like an hour and a half was the farthest I'd travel away from home um, without having to stay overnight. And, and then I was like, I had heard about this world tour event and they were taking like the top 130 players in the whole world and I was ranked like 76th or 74th at the time or something like that. And I was like, okay, cool. So I played and traveled down to California to play at La Mirada, uh, which is right across the street from Biola. And I was warming up and playing with the guys that I grew up watching on the YouTube. <laughs> and they were recognizing me and waving and saying hi just from me being on social media for Discmania, which was the company I was sponsored on right then as a media director. And so, yeah, it was crazy. So I got down there and my first day, I was in first place um, for a while uh, for the whole field. And I ended up the day at like 21st place. And that was huge. Um, I mean, that was crazy. So that night I, I like couldn't sleep. I was staying in a night's inn, which is with a K. And <laughs> it was, it was, 
not the best hotel. It was awesome. And some guy didn't have a room and he didn't have a place to stay. So he called me and was like, Hey, can I crash with you? So he slept in the same bed with me. And like, we had another queen bed on the other side and some other guy slept on that one. And, and I woke up that next morning and I played another round in monsoon California came in and it was just the craziest weather. And I remember playing with one of the top guys at the time on my card and just being so nervous. And I asked him, I was like, so do you talk during the round? <laughs> and he's just like, if it happens, it happens. Like, whatever. Like, don't talk to me. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. But um, yeah, from there, I just um, kept on trying to play some bigger events. I played in some national tour events here in Oregon and traveled up to Washington and played in some events. And um, I got invited to go to Massachusetts, had a flight ready to go, had the check that they were giving me going, hey, you get to go play in this event. And my wife and I, we were driving to it. I mean, like we were literally leaving Salem and I remember her stopping and just starting to, uh, starting to cry and go, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want you to go and be gone for this long. Like it's a week long event. It's like me staying in some random person's house and, and she's like, I just don't want this life. I don't, I don't want to be traveling all the time. And and doing that and it was super hard for me and but I was like okay so that same weekend we traveled to to sisters Oregon and I played in a big two-day event and did fine and you know but I, I just remember like like grudging the fact that I was like oh, I could have done this and I was just being held back and and I started creating this wedge in between my wife and I just going she is supporting me a hundred percent but at the same time, she doesn't want to follow my dream. She doesn't want to do what I want to do. And so I just kept on playing in all these events and doing all these things. And um, I just kept on getting advice from people going like, is this really what your wife's wanting you to do? I was like, I'm listening to all these other people behind me going, yeah, Rick, go to this. I'll be your caddy. And like, hey, we're doing this. We're sponsoring you and this. Like I had everything paid for, you know, shoes, pants, hats, bag, discs, travel, everything. Like it was, it was there. Um, and it wasn't something that was even, I wasn't even touring. I mean, there were guys that were touring and they'd been doing it for like 10 years and they were sleeping in people's vans and stuff. And I was just like getting this really unique opportunity that I was like, I can't say no to this. Um, you know, I had my own logo and my own disc line and it's just, I was selling discs, I was selling merch and it was just weird. Like I was like, wow, I'm on the front end of this. Like only the top like 10 pros are even doing this really. Um, and I was doing it here in little dinky Oregon, you know, just in Salem. So, but yeah, I, at the point I, I, I played in a couple of different events and I played in a combine event where they, they were asking me to be on their touring team and they, they had me, they called me up and they said, Hey, you're on our team. You made it. Um, and we need you to be gone for 28 weekends during the year. And I had two kids, one on, one on the way. And I just had to be on the phone and say, no, I can't do this. And I played in one more event that, um, that September. And I looked at my wife. I said, babe, I'm done. She said, I've been waiting for those words mm. for so long. I've been waiting for those words for so long. And I was like, oh. And that was just hard, too, just listening to that going like, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So It's called know. priorities, man. Yeah. So I finished out that in 2018. Went cold turkey, didn't even play for the whole next year. Wow. Still haven't played a tournament or a league event since. I just, I literally, I play when people ask me to. I'll go out and throw. Um, but yeah, I just haven't played 
at all anymore. So, so if I rewind the, the tape and I ask you how your marriage is going, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's been better. You know, it's been one of those things that, but it's it's easy for me to continue to then transfer that energy that I was putting into disc golf into something else. Hmm. And so 2019, it was into fishing because that's when I started fishing. Yeah. So then I was like fishing all the time and it was fun and, you know, I was taking my kids and asking people and going all the time, but it wasn't like I was getting sponsored, but, you know, it was just fishing. And yeah. so it's easy for us when we have an addiction to something to not just run back to the Lord and go, God, like, how would you fill my life with this void? How would you fill my life with something that's you? Instead, we look to something else going, okay, I have this emptiness now, or I have this like huge amount of time and energy that I've spent doing something for years. And then I just need to fill it with something else. So that that was something easy for me to fill it with. Um, but the biggest thing that I saw a change in and for my marriage too was uh, I was at the time helping out in our youth group and we were helping with the, the high schoolers. And I kept on just talking about what is the importance of being in God's word every day. And so that's what I started doing. It was like, I'm saying it, I'm preaching it. Am I doing it? No, I'm not. So I got. I've never a, done that before. That's weird. <laughs> I got a journal and I was just every single day. So for the first year, it was just like, if I missed a day, I wasn't like beating myself up, but it was like, I'm just not going to miss. And so I just, I didn't want to, and I didn't. So um, that was something really neat. I read through the Bible the next year. Um, now I'm reading through it backwards. And so backwards. I read, yeah, I'd never done it before. I'm not like reading it backwards because that'd be weird. But like I'm starting in, Gen um, I started in Genesis to Revelation, went through the whole thing. And then I was like, huh, what? well, God wrote the story from the beginning to the end. So let me look at it and how it's pieced together backwards. So I read through Revelation, um, starting with ch chapter one through 21. And then I just am working each book backwards. And it's giving me an opportunity to be able to remind myself like, oh, like God had this happen but where did it come from? And it's the context. And I teach about that a lot. Just the before and the after is super important when we're reading God's word or anything in specific, you know, in, in, in school or whatever. But that context piece was super interesting for me because now that I've read it from the beginning to the end again, it's like, oh, cool. But now it's like, oh, like, remember this piece? Like that happened because of this. And so it's just, a, it's again, another way to look at it. So, so that's been something that I've been really into and just kind of, um, it's been helping, you know, to ask questions and, and to talk in our, about our marriage. And it's tough, you know, with four kids, she's at home, she's homeschooling two of them, and she's um, trying to find time in the day just to be able to, to breathe. But um, yeah, that's something that I feel like when we were able to really just talk about it and sit down and say like, hey, you know, what has God been teaching you? Or what, that's something that um, we obviously desire to do more. It's hard in this season and every, every part of our lives are a season, but that's kind of, kind of where we're at right now. But, yeah, there's definitely lots of seasons. I was going to ask a question. We're, we're going to get into business here in a moment, but yeah. my question to you is, would you call your your disc golf love an addiction or a focus? Because mm -hmm. I heard you say the word addiction. But yeah. you, one thing I know about you, you're laser focused. You, mm -hmm. you do a great job of, you know, just the way you currently run your business and do your nine to five job. Mm, thanks. You're laser focused. So- I look at you as a focus guy, but you said the word addiction. Tell me about that. I mean, addiction's a tough word when you're talking about anything, and especially when you're talking about yourself. So I, I would say, what defines an addiction? 
You know, like if somebody was to say like, what defines ad- addiction, buddy? Like, what would you say? Yeah, that's great. You asked me the question. Yeah, so, yeah. okay. Um, an addiction, well, I look at it as something bad. Okay. So I would say something that uh, causes me not to live out the life God wants me to live. So yeah. if I were, I don't know, well, anything that doesn't honor God, doesn't yeah. honor my wife. So let's say I wanted to go hunting mm. every weekend. Yeah. And I'm gone hunting. I guess I could say that's an addiction now because I'm really thinking about me, myself, and I. Yeah. So basically I would say that something that is a focus versus an addiction is when I'm when I'm focused on something, I tune out the sounds, I tune out the noises. And if something distracts me, I'm like, whoa, like that was weird. An addiction, I feel like, is when you have a priority to meet with that above anything else. It's when your thought process, you're thinking, you're waking up, you're going to the bed, everything has become a thought process about that. So you can get addicted to listening to fantasy football podcasts and, and watching that. And you could get addicted to things that don't actually have that addictive quality. For example, like you can get addicted to smoking and drinking and things like that, but like you can get addicted to being on podcasts. Like you can get addicted to running your business. When it becomes that focus that any part of the day that you have to be pulled away from, that you can't just say, oh, I can turn that on and off. It's not a hobby anymore. It's not your job. It, it's an addiction. And your job could become an addiction, but that's what I feel like happened. You know, I went from liking something and loving something and focusing on something to literally like a, being addicted. I mean, a crazy story. I know it's terrible, but um, my wife was giving birth the next day. We had already planned out what our birth plan was going to be, and she was going to get induced. And that night before our first baby was born, I said, I need to go play in this league. And she's like, what? And it's like, well, I have this point series and I have to be there to get these points. And so like, I, I have to be there. And she's like, you're joking, right? <laughs> and, and so that's the thing. It's like, when it gets to that point, and, and maybe people that are listening to this, you have something in your life that you're addicted to right now. And you just, you thought you were focused on it. Or you thought you loved it, but it's something that really, it's, it's an addiction. And you know, Monday nights or Tuesday nights here in town with Most Excellent Way, we we are very often addicted to things that we don't understand. And sometimes it's pride. And for me, pride was something that I was addicted to. So the disc golf itself as a sport, I was listening to it, watching it, teaching it, training. I was eating it, sleeping it, breathing it. I mean, that could be a focus, but it also can become that addiction. And so I think that that's why I use that word because it changed my mindset. It changed the way that mm. I thought about people. It changed the way that I thought about events. When I went to plan out a vacation, it needed to have a spot that was close to a disc golf course. When we you know, went to go hang out with somebody, on my way back, there needed to be a place where I could go train or throw something. And so that that's where it became the addiction. You well, know, the you know. word addiction is a very strong word, so I like that you yeah. actually use that because you can sugarcoat and go, oh, I just like to yeah. do disc golf, and you would manipulate where you would... Yeah. You know, bead so you can go practice. Yeah. Totally. Okay. I totally get that. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to transition a little bit. Yeah. So, Rick, you work a nine to five job at Salem Kaiser. It's actually more like seven to three thirty or four or yeah, whatever yeah. it is and weekends and evenings. And yeah. you work very hard. All throughout May. <laughs> <laughs> you also have a business. So, here's where I want to go is yeah. I want to hear about Southfield Social Media. Yeah. Being a business coach. What is it that Southfield Social Media, what is your focus, Mm. 
you've coached me before. Maybe you can talk a little bit about yeah. who's your ideal client. Yeah. And and tell me and tell us tell the audience actually what you enjoy about that. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. Like the story started from you, buddy, just saying I don't like social media and talking to my wife and another gal from our church, and they're just like, hey, like you should hire Rick. So I was like, oh, I don't do that. I mean, I just post videos and I just. That's right. It was I, your wife yeah. at church one day. You, you should yeah. hire Rick. I'm like, all right. Yeah. And so we met and after like two minutes, you're like, you're my guy. And I was like, for what? And you're like, I don't know. Whatever you want to do. I mean, you're going to do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I just remember that that was my first experience um, doing that because like I had been hired for a lot of things social media wise, like. Canyon View, I was building the website, I was doing all of the flyers, I was training people on how to be able to reach out to others online and everything and email marketing and I just learned all that. And then through Disc Golf, I got hired as their social media, um, it was like a position, it was a media sponsor, I don't know. They, I basically made videos and they sent me free stuff and then I worked behind the scenes of some clothing brands and some other brands like that where I learned about how to run an international you know, it was on Asana, which is a type of um, planning social media software. And I'm watching 27 people on one pipeline working on the same project from seven different time zones. And we were all coordinated and planned out and everybody knew what was going on and everyone knew what the due date was and when it was green to yellow to red. And then we're complete and then we're moving on. And I, I just watched that going like, whoa, like that's incredible. And I know how to do this now. So when I saw that piece of it, you know, uh, Southfield Social Media was built on the idea to help people. So 2019, it was November, and that was our first day kind of like starting stuff out. And you had already talked to two other people that became clients, and I was like walking into their home, and they're like, okay, I need to post a picture to Facebook, and I need to upload it from my computer. Like, how do I do this? So it started out really small and simple, and somebody's like, you know, what do I pay for this? Like, I was like, I don't know. And they're like, well, just tell me a number. And I was like, that's the second person that's told me, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. So it became like learning about what it becomes valuable for somebody else's time to not have to learn it. And what is the value placed on the expertise that you have in that? So when you talk to a videographer and you say, hey, I want a video done. Um, let's just say it's real estate. And they say, well, I'll do it for 150 bucks. And I go, sweet. So then they take out their $6,000 worth of equipment. They go in and they, they you know, take out their gimbal and their, their drone and they're doing all the stuff for your real estate. They then have to edit. They then have to piece everything together, put it to music, have the transitions. They have to upload it, export it, and then they put it on online on a website file in a YouTube video as well as Vimeo or, you know, or on Instagram and then also post it onto Facebook. And they're like... Okay, so for 150 bucks, somebody can do that. Yeah, but that's like, you know, it's like 10 years worth of time to learn it. It's like all the, so what we were trying to do is, you know, I started this out going, how can we provide something that's going to be all this expertise and all this knowledge and all this time and put it to a small business? And so my main focus has just been small businesses, you know, like micro businesses. So like 12 employees or less has been my main focus. And the reason why is because, they just don't have the ability to hire somebody full-time or they don't have the time because they're wearing 12 of their hats. And and I just, I know how to do it. And I remember learning that it takes a lot of time and, and then we now have the tools to be able to help people. So 
my goal is not to make, you know, millions of dollars on this. It's like, I, I'm a full-time teacher and I will be able to run this at the same time. And yes, people ask me all the time, like, why don't you just do this full-time? And I, I probably could, you know, like it's doing great, but I really do like being able to teach, being in the community at the same time. So it's a lot of work, um, but that's what it's kind of come down to. It just is, my main focus is helping small businesses to be able to use social media in the correct way and be able to market their business so that they might be able to be seen by the communities. Yeah. Um, You do it really well too, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. For a guy like me who's been around for a long time, I don't get the the language. Mm. So you make it really simple. Oh, well, I'm glad. Yeah. It's just something that I think I see a lot of people doing it wrong. And a lot of people are trying to drive the the Grant Cardone and the the 10 times. The 10x. Yeah. And just wanting to really build on how you can make the most money possible. And I'm countercultural with that. So there's a lot of people doing this now in town and a lot of people in the world doing this. And I'm a lot more on the let's tell people's stories. Let's show the people that own the businesses and the behind the scenes. And let's not just tell everybody about your product and how many sales you're running and all these things. Like get people to get to know who you are. That's where you're going to be able to get to know people and and to really have people that are going to build a, a brand loyalty. Because I think that as far as a small business goes, they have to have people who are going to continually help them and not just be there once in a while. Um, you know, you've got these multi-million dollar brands, but they have multi-million dollar budgets to be able to mm-hmm. spend money on these things. And we support that and we support them and we buy their clothing and we buy their stuff. But it's the mom and pop shops, the the brick and mortars. It's those people that are really needing it because it's a one family stop and shop and that's it. You know, like if they're running a coffee stand, you know, or, or they're running a t-shirt or a hot tub business or whatever it is, like they're it. And at the end of the day, like if they're not making the product go out, like it doesn't go out. So that's what we really want to help with. Just taking a hat off of the business that they're already wearing so many hats and then to be able to implement that strategy for them. Yeah. Sounds like you, and I know you do, but it sounds like you really care about people. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you got to make money. We know that, but that's not your priority. Your priority is to Mm. serve the community and have an impact. Yeah. So I really like that. It's really cool. And I know there's a lot of people in town that are doing it for a lot more money and, and they, they tell me, Rick, like, why are you doing it for so cheap? And like, why are you undercutting my prices? And I'm like, I'm not trying to hurt you. That's not about like, them. I'm really trying to help these other people. They need help. Yeah, I'm not worried about if I'm underneath these other people and, and how inexpensive it is. It's like this business or this nonprofit or whoever it is, like they might need a free video. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's try to do that for them. And so that's that's kind of our heart. You know, we can't ever, we can't do everything pro bono, but we want to be able to help out as much as we can. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, let's wrap up the podcast this way. Sure. Uh, what do the next five to 10 years look like for you, hmm. Kaylee, and your kids? Personally, professionally, what's your main focus? And yeah, you, I want to see what a snapshot of next five. So how old are you right now? 32? 34. You're 34. I, I could have been 26. But You're 26, yeah. 34? <laughs> okay. So age 30 or 44. Yeah. 10 years, five to 10 years. What's it look like for Rick? Well, my oldest daughter will be a senior in high school. Mm. And Hadley, Hadley, Hadley. Yeah, that's about it. Hi, I Hadley. Mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I just think that I am a two-week-out kind of guy um, because my main priority at this point is, um, you know, 
I just think about a really great phrase that Matt McCullen, which is a pastor at Salem Heights Church, has talked about, which is Maranatha. Just like, what is next is a super big question for a lot of people. And I don't get tied up into that. So I had no idea this was going to happen with my business. I mean, I had no idea disc golf was going to happen. I didn't plan for anything. Like, I barely apply for some of these jobs that I've gotten because God just opens these doors. And it's just like, it's been an incredible journey as I've walked through a lot of open doors. And I'm so thankful for those things. So I honestly don't look out two weeks, two months in advance. Like I'll do contracts for six months and I'm like, man, I hope I'm alive. Maybe, (laughs) I don't know. If not, like somebody else is ready to run it behind me. But I just think that it's one of those things that I really don't put a whole lot of stock into that because I'm just, I'm looking forward to heaven. And I know that, you know, God has a bigger plan than what we've got right now. And, you know, I'm in a house that I told my wife during our engagement times, like, I was like, we might be living in my purple van that we have. Like, <laughs> I just don't know. And so I, um, I really just, I try to live each day like this could be a last day. Um, when I get to the end of the day and I know that it's kind of rough or it's something that has been a tough day, I go to, you know, apologize to my kids or apologize to my wife and we plan out for the next day, but that's about it. And so I really try hard not to focus on what is the next five years because almost every year is different. Every three years has been different. I've been at a different school or a different job um, all throughout these last 10 years, just kind of skipping through things. So yeah, it's just been something that I just don't put a whole lot of priority on, but yeah. I I like how you live because you live, to me, that's more like living by faith. Because mm-hmm. if you have an expectation of what five or 10 years look like, and you get there in five or 10 years and you're not where you want to be, yeah. are we then sometimes disappointed? Like like sometimes somehow God let us down yeah. and we're just disappointed. But the facts are you wake up every day. I, I got tomorrow planned out maybe a little bit if I'm there. Yeah. And that's about it. I actually like that because you're not too uptight. Yeah. One day at a time. We all say that one day at a time, but then we don't always live that way. Yeah, I went to a really interesting memorial um, of this guy who, he had his tattoo, it was Alive in Christ, and everything that he did was, you know, wake up the next day for an adventure. And um, Jared was just, he was a really unique guy, and um, his story is is still going on and being told, which even now, but um, I just look back remembering that, and I was sitting in the very top leachers of CMA church, and I was the very last row up with my back up against the wall sitting on the ground because there was no room and that whole thing was packed out. And it was crazy. And I'm sitting there just like crying going, is this the life that I'm leading right now? Like, do I want to be living a life that God is at the end of my days going, that is well done, good and faithful servant. And if not, like, what is it that I need to change? And so that was the first thing that I thought about. Like, I just, I love where I'm at today. And I don't need to worry about where I'm at tomorrow. Like I got a truck and somebody's like, oh, it has scratches on it. I was like, dude, I, I don't get to take it to heaven. And, you know, we bought a house and someone's like, oh, but there's this problem. And that problem was like, I don't get to live there in heaven, Ooh. you know? And so it's like, yeah, there's there's problems and there's difficulties and stuff like that. And I, I'm super weird. I just, I try not to get stressed out. I try not to get hung up on things. And I just, I'm just going. So, wow. Yeah. Man, I, I'm going to take a lesson out of your, your playbook here because mm-hmm. I, I can tend to think about 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and I'm easy come, easy go, but I think I could actually live a little bit more day by day, a little bit more a little yeah. bit more by faith. Yeah. So I think I'm going to take that one out of your book. <laughs> and it's obviously important to have plans. I mean, you want to have a retirement and stuff like that, but it's like, 
A lot of people don't. There's do you need retirement? I know. I mean, I don't know where Jesus retired. Four hundred one k. I don't see the. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just know, you know, at this point, it's we want to prepare something for our family and have something ready to go. But yeah, we'll, well be, Rick, we'll be trusting. This has been fun. Yeah. Hey, I like you. I love you, brother. Yeah. Uh, I've always enjoyed hanging out with you. I appreciate the time. So if somebody wants to reach out to you and learn a, a little bit more about, I don't know, disc golf, <laughs> uh, fishing, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, Southfield social media, uh, yeah. maybe they want to hire a business coach locally, yeah. how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, I think that the easiest way is to find me and just type it in online. I know I got a weird, unique name, but... It's S A F E L S, and if you just type in Rick Saffields, something will show up, and you'll be able to find me. But yeah, I'm on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, and I'm on Twitter, and you know, I'm just I'm out there for people to be able to find it. But again, my my first priority that I started with this golf was hashtag hashtag I'm third, and uh, hashtag I'm third was God first, other second, and I'm third, and I got really bad at that. Um, but that's something that I really want to prioritize and just, it's not about me. It's not about building my empire. And so if you want to reach out, that's fine. But if not, you know, um, the biggest thing is we know we want to be able to have people know that, that God loves you, that I'm a sinner, that Christ died for me. And if you trust him as my savior, I'll live forever with him. And that's a handful of hope. So that's the biggest thing that I want to be able to tell people. And if they find me, that's cool. But if not, I hope that they find Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing, Rick. Appreciate yeah. you, man. If you would uh, do us a favor, yeah. all you listeners, just uh, like, share, comment. Uh, this is a great story that Rick shared, but any of our podcasts, if you'd please just share the stories of people, uh, it's going to impact somebody. I don't know who. It's not up to me. It's up to God. That would be awesome. We'd appreciate that. Uh, thank you, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>